Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic, ADHD, trauma, PTSD, and anxiety, the basics and overlap. Uh, we're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. You've heard it from organization experts and others. If you want to get things done, you need to keep to-do lists. If all the things you need or want to accomplish keep you up at night, you might think about spending five or ten minutes before bed writing down your list for the following day. Some people prefer to start their day by creating a list. Choose whichever works best for you. To learn more about time management and ADHD, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So, Jan, can you introduce our guest? Yes, Jeff. Our guest today is Dr. Brandy Walker. She is an Army clinical psychologist and active duty major. She works directly with service members and their families in addition to developing initiatives and collaborations in sync with the Army's holistic health and fitness programming. Her earnest desire is to further what is known about ADHD and provide therapeutic expertise and research-informed support to families who are impacted. She is a co-executive officer for Chad Southeastern Regional Support Center and a member of the American Psychological Association as well as the National Children and Adults with ADHD Association. So, Jeff, we're very happy to have Dr. Walker with us today. Brandy, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so appreciative. Thank you. For our, our listeners, um, I, I promote the annual conference on ADHD all the time um, on this show. We provide great content, and we've got a great guest for you tonight, but there's nothing like an in, in-person experience. And I saw Brandy present at the last conference in Dallas, and it was absolutely spectacular. I learned a ton about this, and I wanted to bring the, this to you, the content to you, because I think it was a good opportunity to grow. So in your presentation, I don't remember what's title, but you were talking a lot about you know, trauma and PTSD, anxiety, and ADHD. And I really want to talk about trauma and kind of work our way into its relationship with ADHD. So to begin, can you tell us what is trauma? Sure. So trauma is really 
how the body is impacted by a sudden event. Now, it's not just any sudden event. It's something that is threatening or something that um, you either witness it or you can experience it directly or learn about it happening to someone close to you and it affects you. So essentially the brain is trying to make sense of this new information that is affecting you on many levels. And so a lot of times when there's trauma, there's an acute reaction to it. And then um, sometimes you may develop, you know, a long-term reaction because you didn't, your symptoms didn't resolve from that initial acute reaction, if that makes sense. You said how the body is impacted. When you speak of the body, you mean more than just the body. You're talking about the, the emotion, the soul, the spirit, and the physical body. Is that right? Absolutely. So whenever we're talking about trauma, and, you know, really any of the other symptoms that we might experience, like anxiety, depression, normally it's happening in four domains, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Interesting. And you say it impacts the body. Tell us more about that. I, I know that's a, kind of a big question, but there's a there's directly impacts it in different ways in each, each one of these different levels? Yeah, so when you think about the body, your body functions on, in two different, you know, really on two different levels, right? Physically, what happens to you, whether you take a physical injury, like, oh, my gosh, you know, I broke my leg or my knee hurts, knee pain, right? Um, things that you can identify, you know, pretty easily as a physical injury or illness. And then internal to the body, there are what we call physiological functioning. And so it's all of the things that are kind of like not really tangible, right? You can't put your hands on a headache or mm -hmm. a migraine, right? Mm -hmm. And think about your appetite, right? Whether you have an appetite or you don't, um, that's physiological. And then what about, you know, other internal processes? Like, I mean, we you think about irritable bowel syndrome, you know, being an effect of anxiety. How I go to the bathroom or, or not being able to, that's affected uh, your immune system. And even things like, um, what else happens? Uh, well, we talked about headaches. And, and other types of aches and pains that kind of show up, but you don't really know how they got there, like, you know, neck pain, back pain sometimes, and sleep. Sleep is another mm -hmm. area that is physiologically affected, and you really can't put your hand on it, but it's absolutely, you know, a, a related area that is affected. So when trauma occurs, uh, the body is absolutely in tune with that experience, so is the mind, you know, because you're, you're taking it in, you know, whether you saw something or you heard something, you're, you're experiencing it um, in that way too. So, of course, your thought process, but then mm -hmm. also spiritual, from a spiritual perspective, um, and that might be how you connect with something greater than you, or it could be, you know, your religious values or views. Um, spirituality isn't limited to religion, but it can include religion. And, of course, then the soul. And the soul is really where your emotions are kind of like felt. And the soul is also, you know, where you have your identity, you know, how you 
how you portray yourself, who you say you are, the roles you take on, um, how you esteem yourself, a lot of that happens in the soul. Each of these domains are affected when we encounter a traumatic event or incident. So as an ADHD coach, one of the things I work with clients, I'm a big fan of Dr. Russell Barkley's executive functioning model. And one of Mm -hmm. the major ones is emotional self-regulation. And when I'm Mm -hmm. working with clients, I try to to take the emotions out of executive function and out of emotions. And I talk to them about, think of an emotion as a reflexive response. And I, I emphasize the word reflexive because there's no pause on a reflex. If you trip and your arms you know, reflexively go out to brace your fall um, or there's a, a loud noise like a gunshot or something, we kind of reflexively duck. And I like to kind of share it. Like think of a, of a feeling as the physical manifestation of an emotion and understand I'm defining these things so that people can feel them and make them tangible so they could, they could deal with this. And one of the things that struck me from your presentation and, and let me pause for a second. People with ADHD often struggle a lot with emotional self-regulation. And, and one of the, the keys to that is when you emote and you, you reflexively go, you don't actually analyze stuff. You don't actually stop and think about things like more analytically. You kind of jump to conclusions. And a lot of times I'm working with people where I'm trying to get them to stop and kind of pause and calm mm-hmm. down and actually think. And what struck me from the presentation and what you're saying is we have the mind, body, spirit, and soul – but a lot of times there's a, there's, a, there's a reaction, emotional reaction in here, and a reflex as a result of this trauma. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is if you have ADHD, it's difficult enough to um, self-regulate your emotions. But if you have trauma on top of that, it seems to me that makes it a lot more complicated. Now, the thoughts on how I kind of frame this out and, and relating these two together, because to me it's very much about – a reflexive or emotional uh, self-regulation, which is really difficult for a person to deal with. Thoughts? Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, like you said, I kind of think of it of, of a train concept, you know, this relationship between our thoughts and how we react. You know, that that front car, you know, is maybe where your conductor is hanging out at, and that's your thoughts. And then the cars that follow behind, those are your emotions. And they go where the conductor goes. And then maybe there's that caboose, and that caboose is really, you know, your behavior. Now how are you going to react? And, I mean, this mm-hmm. is, you know, classic kind of behavioral therapy. Uh, but but you're absolutely correct. When those emotions show up, they're really driven by thoughts. And it's really important to find a way to slow the thoughts down so that you can process the emotions. And understand that, okay, I'm feeling this because I'm thinking about it a certain way. So if I could just take a little bit of time and and ask myself, well, why am I thinking about it this way? Like, what happened to make me feel this way? Mm-hmm. And it kind of leads you back to your thoughts. And you can, mm-hmm. you know, take a little time to examine, okay, well, well, was that a rational thought? Does it really make sense to think that? You know, we don't do a lot of examining our thoughts. But if you did, you know, you could, you could, you know, autocorrect, make a few changes, you know, uh, well, that wasn't a very rational thought. Okay, let me think about it differently. <laughs> take, you know, take one other perspective, changes your emotions, and of course, you change how you react. But when there is a traumatic event, and you haven't had a chance to really process it, 
Uh, you walk away from a trauma a lot of times believing and thinking things that may not necessarily be true, right? The yep. the the development of a trauma-related disorder like PTSD or other trauma or stress-related disorder is really kind of how we walked away thinking about it and what are we believing about it. And in some point between the two, we got stuck. Yes. You know, we we got stuck either at the incident or the aftermath of the incident because what followed could have been even more traumatizing. And so mm-hmm. between those two, we spend a lot of time ruminating on the pieces we get stuck. We forget about the entire big picture, you know, the beginning, the middle, the end, what led up to it. And when we get stuck, that's that's pretty much um, – where the symptoms and whatever emotions that we relate to that particular event, when you think about it, the emotions come back. And a lot of times you don't have to be intentionally thinking about it. It just pops in your head because your brain is like, hey, we got to process this. (laughs) And so, you know, it shows up in your sleep and so forth. Yeah. So I want to to go to break right now because the rumination thing, I want to kind of, I want to come back after we talk about this and kind of talk about the concept of worry and problem solving, which I think is going to be a a fun conversation or at least an enlightening conversation. Before we go to break, uh, Brain was sharing with me people that want to get uh, a certification master's course on more therapeutic side of, of this. You can go to PESI to get a certification there. Am I misrepresenting it or did I, did I get that right, Brandy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. PESI does a lot for continuing education credit. And they have a master's course um, on ADHD, and uh, myself and a few other experts are talking about different aspects of it, which is pretty cool because it's kind of a one-stop shop. But PESI also has a, a series on trauma as well, so they're they're really doing great things over there. Excellent. So you can go online and check that out. Everybody, our secret word tonight is trauma. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by GigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Brandy Walker having a conversation about trauma uh, and transitioning to uh, its impact on uh, ADHD. Before the break, we were talking about what trauma was, how it's a bodily experience, and um, I was sharing kind of how I talk about emotions as a reflexive reaction, a feeling being the physical manifestation, and when Brandy was talking in Dallas, she was talking a little bit about a PTSD uh, moment, which is more, a bigger trauma. So if you can imagine you were in a war zone and your uh, bullets and stuff are kind of going to be threatened with your life over a period of time, your, your, your 
your brain goes to survival mechanism. It's kind of high alert, and it really kind of almost doesn't go down. It's always listening for that stuff. And when it gets a cue or trigger, it, it ignites this whole thing that kind of goes in. And to, to me, if you have ADHD from an emotional perspective or a reflexive perspective, I'm kind of framing this stuff out because I want to talk in a little bit about the challenges of managing that. Um, so, Brandy, when people are in, they, they've had some trauma, and I, and it's a little bit of a continuum. There's light trauma and more challenging trauma. And, and you have something that ignites that trauma. Before the break, you were talking about people ruminating about it. In Dallas, you started talking about people catastrophizing and worrying about that type of stuff. And it's interesting, the body goes right to that. But when we're in that state, we're not actually problem solving. We're just kind of spinning around. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the brain is always problem solving. The brain is always, well, trying to problem solve and trying to protect us from being shocked or surprised. So a trauma is very shocking and surprising. But if you notice, a lot of times when something happens, your brain creates a neural pathway, right, the very first time. And that new neural pathway is really to prevent you from being shocked or surprised. And so as the brain continues, you know, it, it tries to make things much more predictable. And so even in a sense of a traumatic experience, the brain is like, hey, I got to protect you the next time something like this happens. So, we're, you know, mm-hmm. so we should be, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to keep ourselves from having the same experience. And while the brain is trying to do that, it's tagging those emotions that occurred at that time and space and it's bringing it with it, right? And at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, you're having a reaction. You're reacting to these emotions. I, I don't want to feel afraid or I don't want to feel hurt or, you know, anxious that, you know, that this is getting ready to happen again. And so there is definitely the bodily reaction that follows as well. So the mind continues to try to figure it out. But not only is the brain trying to figure it out and protect us, it's also kind of thinking about worst-case scenarios. Well, if it happens again, you know, what am mm-hmm. I going to do? Um, what if it happens when nobody's around? And so all of these scenarios, we start playing out these different scenarios, which makes it that much worse. Mm-hmm. And while you're playing out those scenarios, you're losing so much time because now you've entered that catastrophic thinking and you're not problem-solving anymore right? Mm-hmm. You have lost your ability to strategically think about it in other ways. Now, strategically thinking about it is, you know, when you're looking at it and you're looking at it objectively, okay, yeah, this happened to me, but how often does this type of situation really happen in life? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one in a million, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe, you know, you you start considering other pieces to the story, you know, well, this was a car accident and the weather was bad and this, you know, you start really yep. looking at things, you know, more objectively so that you remember the entire narrative and not stuck on that one piece. So the ruminating, that is kind of what keeps us going and going and going. And we start believing things. There was something wrong with me. That's why it happened. You know, it's my fault. Right. It's my mm-hmm. fault that that person got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was working with one person and, um, you know, I do a lot of work with military and um, and um, a person had 
got struck by lightning, and they happened to be with someone who had got struck. And they really thought that it was their fault that that person had got struck by lightning. And wow. so the individual who survived um, was dealing with survivor's guilt. It should have been me. Why? How come I didn't get struck? It was my idea that we, you know, stay outside a little bit longer, you know. And so they started blaming themselves. And when you blame yourself or you feel guilt, that's like fire. That just ignites all of the other emotions and keeps you stuck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of the work that we do is help you, you know, think about it in other ways. Think about it in other perspectives and kind of be more objective in how you're looking at it. And if there's a belief you walked away with, um, and you know beliefs are not necessarily true, they're just what we tell ourselves. Yes. You know, then we can help you kind of get unstuck. So I want to, in real simple form, and I am oversimplified this, but sometimes it's it's helpful to, to, to boil things down a little bit in a way it can understand is that, what I'm listening to, the brain's trying to problem solve and stuff like that, but it's also a survival mechanism. The brain's defenses is to protect itself. If you're threatened with your life, you go to fight, flight, or freeze um, to be mm-hmm. able to manage this. And I, I talk about it as being an instinct. Like, you know, dogs mm-hmm. wag their fur to get rid of water. They, they weren't taught that. They just instinctively do it because it's, it's efficient for them or birds flying south. And if we begin to think of this as your brain is instinctively trying to survive – and it ignites this type of stuff in an automatic fashion because we talk about ADHD's brain as a two-level system. You have the automatic brain, and then you have the executive functioning brain. Now what we're, we're starting to talk about is having to engage your thinking brain to override that automatic brain. And then the reason I'm framing this out as a survival and instinctive thing is to, to censor and say you're basically trying to overcome Mother Nature in this because it's kind of hardwired, and it makes it worse. And the thing – we're going to come back from the break and talk about it – is when you're – in this state, it's really hard to pay attention. And trauma and ADD, when they start to kind of come together, really, really can it's, – it's like a wet knot trying to undo to kind of help people with it. So before we go to break, you want to comment on that or, or, or add anything to it, Randy? Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, fight or flight is – I mean, it's absolutely about survival. And the fight or flight response, you know, of course you can fight. You could take flight or you freeze. And it's such a protective mechanism to keep us safe. But the problem is when you've had a traumatic experience, you don't really get out of fight or flight. You stay in fight or flight mode. It may not be, you know, at the most accelerated extreme version of fight or flight, but the mind and body, everything is already ready to go. We're always ready. We're always looking. We're always watching. So that means... The body is naturally meant to be in fight or flight maybe 15% of the time, kind of 15%, you know, response to emergency, come back down, mm-hmm. right? The rest of the time is rest and digest. That's what the body is used to doing. Hey, we relaxing, good day, right? You know, and when we've had those type of traumatic experiences, then we kind of get stuck in fight or flight. And you're absolutely right. That's a whole different part of the brain that's responded and and fired up, ready to go, while the other parts, like executive functions and and ability to reason, they kind of take the back seat. So so, two two stories to illustrate that. 
I had heard that when you are like in a real fight, flight, or freeze state, you go back to primitive things. Like if you were out at dark at night and uh, there's predators around, you're sitting there, your 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 body's at a heightened sense of awareness, and you don't sleep, and, and it's a survival thing. It's like insomnia kind of kicks in, so that you can do that. Could you imagine if your body stays in that insomnic type of thing for days or weeks and months, the impact on it? That's just just try to help everybody get a physical experience. The other thing. It was I was backpacking one time with a bunch of Boy Scouts on the Appalachian Trail, and one day we saw a copperhead snake, which is venomous, like 15 feet away. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat, whatever. And the next day, I'm hiking on the trail, and all of a sudden, I'm, ah, ah, I'm freaking out. I'm looking down, and I'm like, finally, my brain kicks in objectively and looks and says, that's not a snake, it's a stick. But it was kind of funny because I do that high because we've all felt that at some point in time. So physically, if you're in that fight, fight, seat and you're there and you can't get out of it, you can begin to see the, the, the body impact and the emotional impact and how it just kind of brings you down and creates real problems in the attention network because you're on that, that high alert. So um, yeah. let's, let's go to break real quick and come back because I want to talk about the reality of having to deal with trauma and working with ADHD at the same time. Um, again, before last break, um, Brandy mentioned go to PESI. You can get you take some um, coursework and stuff and certifications on ADHD and trauma. Our secret word tonight is trauma, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a conversation with Brandy Walker, who specializes in trauma, knows a lot about ADHD. I think we've kind of teed this up a little bit, trauma being this experience, the brain defensively kind of protecting itself. I'm using the word instinctive and reflexive to get – because there's, there's no pause in that. There, you just go right to it. And so in the presentation in Dallas, you were talking about trauma, trying to work with people to teach their body basically to downregulate. And I know when I'm working with, with people with ADHD, I'm just regular ADHD, not no trauma. A lot of times they struggle more with emotional self-regulation. And I, it's easier for me in that environment without the traumas because sometimes I'll have them watch like politics. Like if you're a big Biden fan, I'll have you watch um, Fox News. Or if you're a Trump fan, I'll have you watch CNN. And practice sitting there feeling your body kind of get emotional and, and practice kind of calming down and pausing so that you can begin to, to deal with that. I've had people come in that have had trauma in their life, and it is such an intense type thing. It's, it really kind of goes past that, and I'm always referring them out to somebody to see a therapist to kind of deal with that. But the thing, thing about 
on the ADD side is when a person goes into that emotional state, their their emotions are starting going wild. They'll start to lose their uh, their, their mental faculties. I mean, doing things that clearly are going to make things worse, but they're just doing. They're not really in control of themselves. And what I what we're trying to do on our, my on just the ADD side is get them to pause and downregulate the emotions. Brandy, you're really doing that with people with trauma. But when you add ADHD and trauma on top of that, that's got to be a huge feat for an, just any individual to deal with. Can you speak to that? Sure, and and you're absolutely right. It is. I think too, when you have a diagnosis of ADHD, it increases the likelihood of you having traumatic experiences. I mean, it kind of makes sense when we think about yep. it. Um, and so that it it becomes, you know, one, you're kind of at risk of having a traumatic experience and subsequently developing a diagnosis like PTSD, um, depending on an experience and how you were able to navigate it. And then, um, you know, the other issue is that having a diagnosis of ADHD means that you could be potentially at risk for having another traumatic event or another traumatic event just because sometimes with the brain and the executive function and challenges, we're not able to, you know, make well-informed decisions, you know, mm-hmm. as, as quickly as we would like to. And if we're operating off of emotions and kind of resulting in some of our primitive ways of dealing with situations, then that means I'm at risk. You know, if I, mm-hmm. I want to if I'm not dealing with my symptoms effectively and it's much easier for me to u- utilize the substance, right, that puts me at a higher risk. Even mm-hmm. if, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to go anywhere, but but I could be at risk for an accident and so forth. So, so absolutely, and being able to manage both the symptoms of PTSD and ADHD is definitely difficult, particularly when you don't know that some of the experiences or symptoms that you're having is PTSD. The thing about PTSD is that um, there's the acute symptoms, you know, and then you learn how to live with those. Mm-hmm. People learn how to live with acute symptoms, and the symptoms that come with PTSD may be, um, you know, some irritability, anger, right? You may kind of isolate and withdraw because you don't want to keep being activated by triggers or things in the mm-hmm. environment that remind you of that traumatic experience. So you do a lot of avoidance. Maybe you self-medicate with alcohol or something else just to calm those symptoms down. Maybe you have problems with sleep or problems with nightmares. Um, there's a there's like a almost a gamut of different symptoms that come with PTSD. And so because of that, then that means that I want to avoid as much of that as possible. So uh-huh. my world before I had, you know, this traumatic experience, and maybe that experience happened five or ten years ago. Hey, I had a very flourishing life, and I was out and about, and I would do things. But my world has shrunk since because I don't want to be triggered, or I don't want people to see me getting triggered and wondering why am I jumpy all the time, why I'm watching everybody, or you know why I'm angry or I'm irritable. So I'll just, I'll just kind of go out only when I need to, right? Yep. But the off the. But the overlap between those types of symptoms and ADHD means a person could be quite irritable. They could be chronically angry. They could always already be suffering from sleep problems just because people who have a diagnosis of ADHD typically are 
50 to 70% likely to have sleep problems anyway. That is not even mm-hmm. without trauma. So adding trauma to the picture just makes it that much worse. Mm-hmm. So the sleep problems and with sleep, you know, not only is your immune system compromised if you're not getting good sleep, but your ability to think clearly and, you know, make good decisions. So a lot of these symptoms kind of compound each other. And learning how to navigate that territory is very important. And I agree with you. If you have ADHD but you've had a traumatic experience and you start thinking like, hey, life has changed for me since I, since such and such happened, even if it was years ago, if you just notice over time, you know, hey, I've been much more irritable. I've been activated. There's a lot of things that I avoid. I don't even want to talk about this. I have my relationships have been affected by this particular event. You know, I've shut down. If if that's happening, then, yeah, it would be good to talk to somebody and just kind of see if you're meeting a criteria for those symptoms. Hmm. Because if you are, if you work through that, then it's much easier to manage the symptoms of ADHD. So this is Attention Talk Radio. Our sister um, station is Attention Talk Video. We release a video there, and I, I get a lot of comments on a regular basis, and, and this is kind of front and center. I get a fair number of people commenting that they either have social anxiety or, or other types of things that are trauma-related, and they become isolated. They're not going out, and, and they, they become very reclusive, and they're, they're, they're not happy. And, and, and where I'm going with this is what I hope that we are impressing upon you is Emotional self-regulation with ADHD is difficult enough to deal with, but if you have trauma on top of it, it makes this really, really, really difficult, particularly as you approach PTSD. And this is not a do-it-yourself thing to work through. And I'm always amazed at how many people are not seeking help and treatment to be able to deal with some of this stuff rationally. And, Brandy, you're talking about that they shrink their world because they're kind of staying away from those triggers, which creates more and more problems. So the, the, to me, the story here is your brain instinctively is trying to protect you, but as it's doing that, it, over time, it, my sense is it kind of makes it worse because you just kind of come in and your world starts to clap, it becomes very small, and then creates more issues on top of that. So am I misrepresenting that? Does that make sense to you, Brandy? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I, I work with soldiers. Right, and we know our soldiers have been exposed to, you know, different situations, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a deployment environment or so forth. And when you think about it, yeah, you know, if the sound of a helicopter reminds me that, hey, every time when we were deployed, we heard the sound of a helicopter, that meant somebody was being evacuated out because they either died or they got hurt, mm-hmm. right? And then you worry, well, who's on that helicopter, right? And you're afraid, you know, like, is it somebody close to me? Because one of those helicopters really, it was somebody close to me. You know, one of my battle buddies or somebody who I cared about a lot got shot or they got hurt and they had to be evacuated out. And there might be a little bit of guilt and, you know, other emotions just behind that incident in and of itself. But Mm -hmm. now every time I hear a helicopter, no matter where I'm at, I could be in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a, a a helicopter that's just doing tours of the island. But when I hear it, it triggers me, and it takes me right back to when I was deployed and when that incident happened. Not only that, I feel I still get that 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 feeling in the pit of my stomach, and all of a sudden I'm shaking, and I'm wondering like, why am I shaking? Why am I having mm-hmm. this stress? response. Why is my, you know, my fight or flight 
systems is automatically being started. And so to keep all that from happening, I'm just going to stay in my house mm-hmm. and I'm not going to even, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to hear the sound of a helicopter or, you know, anything that we associate with that event is a trigger. And the interesting thing is that any other time, it doesn't, it, it never meant that. Like helicopters mm-hmm. never meant that before this incident. And after the incident, they still don't mean that. But yes. we make that association. And the more triggers you have, you know, the more associations you make, and you're avoiding every trigger. And so that's how your world kind of starts shrinking. So the purpose of this show was really to bring people on to talk about this. And, I, Brandon, what I liked is if you have ADHD, there's increases chances that there's – You've had a traumatic experience for a variety of reasons. And for those that are out there, because a lot of times people aren't actually getting help for these types of things, and instinctively I think the brain starts to take you into a place that's not healthy over a long period of time. So like anything else, this is a lot about self-awareness, trying to create your awareness about this. Frame it out in such a way that you can kind of see what's happening. Go in and seek a professional to kind of help you with this because you got to kind of reverse that trend and kind of practice helping you understand your body, but downregulate your emotions so that you're not catastrophizing everything so that you can live a more fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. As we begin to wrap things up, any last thoughts or comments, Brandy? Yeah. So I, I think sometimes we think um, an acute stress response or, you know, a trauma related event is related to something huge like, life was threatening or I saw something really bad happen, sometimes it's the sum of smaller things. We call them microaggressions. Um, They could be somebody mistreating you because of you have a diagnosis. People can mistreat you because you think or act differently. People can mistreat you because of your sexual orientation or because of your ethnicity, because of your nationality. And if you're in an environment where that repeatedly happens, those same kind of symptoms still develop. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you, if if that has been your experience as well, so nothing real big at one time, but these, you know, these small cuts over time, dang, that still hurts. Yeah. I encourage you to still have a conversation with someone who's qualified to help you navigate that. So just a simple translation, if you, if let's say you're a hyperactive uh, child with ADHD, to sit down, stop, quit doing that. What are you doing? Stop. Go to your room. Bop, over and over and over and over for decades. It can create a little bit of a traumatic experience and make things really difficult for a person like a little bit later in life. And, and I think that's a simple way of illustrating that because a lot of people can identify with that or experience it. So with that, yeah. Brandy, thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You you guys are the best. <laughs> so thank you. Well, thanks for coming on. We hope everybody's learned something. Um, if, if you're listening to the show, you likely had a traumatic experience. Again, we hope that you seek some help to try to, to work your way out of it because life can be very fulfilling. Our secret word is trauma. Catch us next week. Take care.